My name is Reginald Charles Munnings. I'm 64 years old. I've been born in 1956. Raised right here in Overtown, and I still live here off and on. Most of this is pretty much the same. This one in particular is Mount Zion. That's the vegetable garden in front of it. That used to be housing. Okay, it's been gentrified. Munnings is a longtime resident of Overtown. He takes our team into town and speaks on the issue of gentrification as he has witnessed it firsthand. Along with Reginald, we talk with Nicole Crooks, Community Engagement Coordinator for Overtown at Catalyst Miami, Dr. Cheryl Holder, Associate Professor at Florida International University's College of Medicine, and Miami Climate Alliance member, Dr. Keelan Ashid Bishop. Through these conversations, we will learn about why we cannot separate climate change, racial injustice, and gentrification. We're sitting here on the beautiful campus of the University of Miami in Coral Gables. Coral Gables is a wealthy upper middle class neighborhood with manicured lawns and rows upon rows of two story homes. As we move our story into Overtown, our surroundings change. Overtown is filled with three story apartment buildings, awakening barred up businesses and no drought of faces walking on the street. Not even 10 miles away from Coral Gables, as we cross over Interstate 95, we are officially in Overtown. The neighborhood scene shifts, but Overtown's vibrant history is preserved by the colors on the concrete walls, portraying black icons. I'm Sophia Mesa. And I'm Cameron Dobbs. In this episode, we travel across town to tell you the troubles of climate gentrification in South Florida. Growing up here, there is no denying that Miami is changing. With the rise of sea levels, displacement, and gentrification, communities of color are being pushed out to more vulnerable areas. We touch on all this and more on today's episode of The Rise. My name is Keelan Bishop. Currently, I'm a postdoctoral researcher in the University of Miami School of Education and Human Development. I direct a national STEAM academy for high school age foster youth, and I also serve as vice chair of the City of Miami Climate Resilience Committee. Miami is a relatively new city, and Miami has uh, been developed in some ways that have lent themselves to long-term segregation and inequity. Between the fact that you know Black labor built this city, Black votes incorporated, especially the city of Miami, you would think that there would have been at least a little bit of space made um, but that's not what happened. Folks, Black folks were employed in the parts of the county that were deemed valuable. So waterfront property, parts of the city that were deemed valuable, and were largely told to live and work in the places where you couldn't see the water. And those places happened to be along the ridge uh, where, you know, we go from being set two to three feet above sea level to them being 750. I came along in the 50s, in 56. Overtown's been around since 1890, if I'm not mistaken. So there was a lot going on before me. But during the time of my era, from what I witnessed, I spent about 10 years in Overtown doing its heyday. Just to give you guys some background, Overtown was originally called Colortown in the Jim Crow era, as it was the hot spot for commerce in the black community in South Florida. Also referred to as the Harlem of the South, this city was a thriving community. 
up until the 1960s when the Finnish construction of Interstate 95 broke up businesses and displaced 30,000 out of its 40,000 residents. One of our team correspondents, Charles Gonzalez, sat down with Reginald Munnings and Nicole Crooks to further dive into this topic and learn from them. Charles, take us into the conversation. Reginald Munnings unzips a plastic bag full of 5x7 photographs and places a stack on a concrete table at Williams Park. He speaks with his neighbor, Nicole Crooks, as they reminisce on the photographs he took of their community. This was some beautiful townhouse-looking housing. I took this picture when every, everything else around them was being torn down. People was being evicted, and uh, the owners had sometime, uh, somehow gave up the property. The city decided to tear it down. They went further and went around stamping letters. I remember this sign being stamped on the wall saying eminent domain. I didn't know what that meant. Later, I saw people being evicted out of their houses, and they started tearing that down. There were stories saying that, oh, they're going to build something back up in, the, in, the, in that same spot for the community. But what came later on was businesses for the county. Each of these photographs shows no people, only buildings. They're replaced by vegetable gardens, affordable housing, and shotgun houses. He describes why Overtown became later known as a community with a bad reputation and no resources. I watched the community be destroyed. And then what followed from that uh, was demolition and open fields left. Then they started putting fences around the open fields. So it seemed like those who control, controlled the space of the community controlled the community. Then the drugs came in. What it is is you disinvest, you allow a community to become overrun with drugs so that nobody wants to be there. And then when people start buying it up, one of the things that is said is we're helping you. We're helping you because we're, we're helping to change all of the blight that is occurring. So people start thinking that that's the truth. That's so far from the truth. The conversation with Reginald Munnings was real and eye-opening. His perspective brings a wider issue. Why are we forgetting the community that built Miami? Dr. Cheryl Holder, associate professor at Florida International University, spoke more on these communities. They place black people in the worst environment. So from the inception of Miami, race has played an important role in where black people live, where black people grow, thrive, love, and all the policies that impacted them. Their access to money, their access to power were all limited by race. And why is this a problem? Well, South Florida is a hurricane hotspot. With bad infrastructure, little to no public transportation, and limited access to safety resources, the lower income communities simply can't survive. These communities need health care, shelter, and resources to prepare for storm season that's in walking distance of them. And we see gentrification happening as the growing art district of Wynwood pushes into Overtown. Wealthy people and businesses move in, increasing rent values and making it too expensive for current residents to stay. But isn't this supposed to make the community better? Well, Nicole Crooks tells us why it doesn't. You place all these people who have roots and generations of families that live here in Overtown or live in Liberty City and you price them and push them out all down to Homestead and then you see the crime rate go up. But that's not by accident, that's by design. And as the, as the sea rises, it's gonna continue to happen. 
And then when we think of climate change, right, so often we think about the narrative because whoever tells the story owns your destiny. And so when people talk about climate change, they're talking about, they do, they talk about the rising tides, but what does that have to do with us over here? They talk about the sea turtles and protecting them from the straws and the polar bears and all of that. What does that have to do with me? It doesn't. And so the cycle continues. The development of up-and-coming neighborhoods leaves behind communities and people that called places like Overtown home for generations. Overtown is attractive to developers and gentrification because of its height above sea level. Overtown is becoming more vibrant. Um, there are new venues, new restaurants in Overtown. And those places come with new employment opportunities, um, new opportunities to interface with different crowds. However, in order for Overtown to thrive, there also has to be room made for an influx of wealth, representative wealth. If we want this to be a thriving black community once again, then you have to build more than just affordable housing. And by affordable housing, I mean income restricted properties that are capping what you can make to reside there. There's a place for that because Miami's real estate is way too expensive for most of us. But you, for Overtown to really have that light at the end of the tunnel, there needs to be space for someone who has improved their economic standing to live there as well. Dr. Keelan Ashad Bishop, a California native, speaks on the displacement of the black communities into areas more susceptible to climate change. There are patterns by which communities of color, black communities who are renting because pathways to home ownership have been blocked, are displaced with little to no thought and just expected to, you know, settle down in another community. And I think that's the major thing that is lost in many of the conversations around gentrification. It's this idea of you are increasing the risk of folks to vulnerability. You're increasing their vulnerability to extreme weather events. You're increasing the time that they would need to commute on roads that have been inundated with water if it happens to rain that day. Climate gentrification is not new to the conversation, and now the consequences are clear. Hurricanes are becoming more frequent and stronger. King tides are growing and flooding our streets, and within the century, rising sea levels may turn South Florida residents into climate refugees. The black communities are being erased, and all Miami has left to show are the voices. And we are here to keep these stories above water. After all, no one is immune to climate change and its disastrous effects. You can be rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief. When that big wind blow across that ocean like it did when Andrew came and tear everything down, everybody's going to be standing in the soup line and need that safety net. So, Sophia, we've brought these issues to light. Now what more can we do to help put that safety net in place? Well, Cam, Dr. Cheryl Holder says it best. Politicians do what you vote for, and that's what we got to accept. Take the power back, go out and vote, and tell the politicians what we want. And that's how we will affect our change. Simply put, the power is in the people. We can't get to do any of that if we don't, get to, if we don't see each other. Now, one of the worst things you can act, do to a person is to act like they don't exist. 
That's one of the worst things you could do to a human being. So I hope, I'm, I'm 64. I hope the good Lord bless me for some more years around here. You know, I, I want to see a change. We hope the voices of Overtown inspire you to remember its history. We hope to continue the conversation of climate change. And we hope that you are empowered to take action on issues of environmental justice and make impactful changes in your community. Tune in to our next conversation on The Rise. Rise.